Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweep Podcast, partnered with RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. On today's episode, we got our good friend Chris Weisong back with us. With Chris, we're going to be talking about the roster after cutdown day, give a little preview of Monday night's game against the Broncos, and do a little divisional preview with the season coming up. But first things first, Chris, how we doing? What's up, Matt? Jose, what's up, Nation? How you guys doing? Uh, it's been a crazy couple days. Excited to chop it up about the Raiders, man. Absolutely. Jose, how we doing, my friend? Like Chris said, dude, it's been a little bit of a crazy couple of days. Not not nothing too crazy compared to uh, this time last year, guys, because uh, this <laughs> t- time and time and day last year, September 1st, you guys know what happened, right? Uh, this time let's let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Does anyone? Does anyone yeah, something to do with number 52, right? Uh, Markel Lee? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, we won't delve into that. It's fine. <laughs> no. There's still a little. Oh, I know some people still have a little scab there that I probably just peeled off and it's gushing again. We'll get some little Neosporin for that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way to bring that what one What we up. got today, Matt? Well, first things first, we had the cut downs on, what was it, Saturday. And, fellas, it looks like I'm buying a Nate Pete jersey. Yes! I, yeah. I'll be honest. Peterman, man. MV Peterman. Whenever you walk out in the public <laughs> with that jersey on, you're going to have major swag, bro. Oh, so much swag. But I'll, I'll be honest. Last week when I uh, had said that, I was pretty confident he wasn't going to make the team. Hey, but Matt, though, remember when we were talking about that? We spent about like I, – when I, I always listen back to our episodes. So when I heard that, when I'm on, I was on the at the gym listening to it, I was like – this guy, I was listening to what a point I gave. I was saying, dude, I feel like Gruden could definitely keep Peterman just because of the ego point that he <laughs> wants to resurrect his career, and he did it. He, <laughs> he freaking did, did it. Did. I had a feeling he was. I didn't. I didn't put my chips on it, but I was not going to be shocked. And he ended up doing it, yeah. typical Gruden fashion. I can only imagine what Mayock and the rest of the staff are thinking. So essentially, you keep Peterman and you let Doss go. Yeah. Pretty much, you let any any position you can pick out. They didn't. Yeah. They chose Peterman over one of those players that weakened the group, which is, <laughs> it, I want to say crazy, but I can't say crazy when I kind of expected it somewhat last week. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you bring up a good point. You know, we're last week we we're sitting here talking about, you know, is keeping three quarterbacks a good idea? Well, insert Deshaun Kaiser. Now we got four. <laughs> <laughs> what about that, Chris? Man, I'm just thinking about how Jose listens to his own voice while he's working out at the gym. Hey, dude, he, it's, it's like him doing curls but, uh, in the gym while listening to himself with the mirror Raider, Raider point after Raider, but that means just another pump for him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got four quarterbacks on the roster now, and you know, I tweeted out earlier, it'll probably be three by tomorrow, yeah. and then it might even be two by the time they play next week against the Broncos. So it's something to kind of make fun of right now. It is a little odd. Uh, you know, people talk about, oh, the 50, 51st, 53rd player on your roster shouldn't be that big of a deal, but – they definitely let someone go and Keelan Doss, local product, who showed some potential. He was an undrafted free agent, but he outperformed a lot of late round draft picks that don't have a team yeah. right now. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, he does. Obviously, he had multiple teams wanting him back on the practice squad in the Raiders and the Jaguars, at least. Uh, so that was an interesting move um, for, you know, a situation where, you know, they're not going to keep four quarterbacks in the end. But. Obviously, they have different plans. Um, I thought it was interesting. I, I thought Anthony Rush was going to make the team. Uh, yeah, same. And, you know, obviously now he – luckily, they got him back on the practice squad. Um, I thought he showed enough to where he would sign elsewhere, but clearly Mayock and Gruden uh, knew better, and uh, they got away with that one, and I got to give them kudos on that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, not a, not a lot of surprises uh, aside from that. Obviously, other than maybe Brandon Marshall, I kind of thought they were going to keep him. Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, Chris, with the the Anthony Rush and Keelan Doss were definitely the two standouts where the fringe players that, you know, when Gruden talked about keeping five undrafted free agents, you figured those two would lump into there. And, you know, I think the plan worked out when it came to Rush, but obviously with Doss going to Jacksonville, you know, it just, it, it feels like to me, like the Raiders are making a, it's, it we're just making a mistake. Like we talked about it before where if 
in week three or seven, they're sitting here and we're deciding between Nathan Peterman and Deshaun Kaiser or even Mike Glennon to start for us. They're kind of fucked anyway. Like, that's a <laughs> game that they're going to probably lose anyway. So why cost, your, why cost yourself a, a chance at a young, promising player in DOS who's done nothing but show out to keep Nathan Peterman, or Nate Pete, sorry, just because, <laughs> and like what we were talking about yesterday, if you want to keep him, you can put stash him on the practice squad because, I mean, you can speculate all you want, but you're not going to convince me that any team was going to pick up Nate Pete with the start of the career that he's had. He didn't even, it's not like he got picked up on waivers, you know, and he got, he chose the Jaguars. So yeah, well, that's Doss, actually a yeah. better opportunity for yeah, him. Yeah, definitely. Better opportunity. Yeah, look at their, your, yeah, look at their depth chart, bro. Absolutely. I mean, nowhere. Yeah. Uh, I forget who put it out, and I'm not sure any of their wide receivers make the team on the Yeah, Mark you finally coming maybe, back from an injury. Of, <laughs> maybe he's playing hardball, too. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Doss is saying, maybe the, the Raiders were like, look, we want to put you on the practice squad, but... We definitely want you back. And early on in the year, he's probably like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Jacksonville. So if you want me, uh, yeah. I'm going to be on the other side of the United States. Why don't you, you know, <laughs> sign me to your active roster? Maybe he's playing a little hardball. Yeah, it yeah, could be. Too. Good, good could for be. him. You know? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, from a personal standpoint, you know, I, I get why Doss goes to Jacksonville. He's going to have a much easier path to the roster in Jacksonville than he would have in Oakland. And at the end of the day, if the Raiders are mad about it, well, you had a chance to keep him and you chose not to. So it's just for me, you know, who knows? He could he could end up falling into the to the uh, undrafted free agent pool of obscurity. But I don't know. I just from what I saw and everything that I heard about that guy at Davis and at the senior bowl, I just feel like he's going to be a baller. And the Raiders had a chance to get a steal, but kind of blew it at this point, of course, right now. You know, who knows you know, what will happen. We shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be shocked. I mean, no. we all – how many times have I hammered this point away, Matt, since we started this podcast? Gruden does not care for developmental players. That's why, yeah. why when we, even when, dating back to when we analyzed the draft and why didn't he go after, like, an offensive lineman. That's why they got Richie Incognito. He doesn't want to wait and develop. The fact that he has to wait for Colton Miller probably is already pissing <laughs> him off. I mean, it's just – let's just call it what it is. That's why you look on the other side of the ball, there's more young talent around there. And even yep. then, they still try to poach but veteran players. That's why they put Corey Legion back there, which is a shocker. That came out yeah. of nowhere. Like, why did you guys wait now? We're over here being hopeful, but you're letting these younger players go off. Just, I can kind of get, especially interior linemen, that's interior linemen can be more raw. So practice squad, you know, get those lumps in, get it in, and then come back stronger and, like, more wiser. But when it comes to back to DOS, which who is my, my surprise cut, Last week, Matt, uh, quoting myself again from another episode, I said, I mean, they re they, realistically, they have five receivers. I mean, six with Dwayne Harris, but yeah. like I said, 99% of the time, he's going to yeah, be a returner. Exactly. I mean, yeah. worst comes to worst, sure, you can roll him out there if someone gets injured and whatnot, but it would have been obviously behooves him more to throw out someone like a Keelan Doss. Yeah, not a Dwayne Harris who's like, what is he gonna do, man? They know they know <laughs> it's not gonna go to him, and if he doesn't even if they do a fake sweep. Shout out fly sweep, fly sweep. <laughs> then even that, he's going to be too slow. I mean, that's what he's only a good returner because he's smart to read his blocks. But back to what I was going to say about my quote, it's, it's like if someone gets injured, who are they going to throw out there? DeAndre Washington? Uh, <laughs> it's looking like yeah, yeah. DeAndre Washington. We'll just flex you out and stuff like that. But a little bit of a shocker for that Doss was cut, and, and I'm not shocked that he signed with the Jaguars. So he's my surprise cut for the Raiders. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 a good point, too, as far as the veterans bringing Legit when they did, um, you know, that we remember last year, beginning of the year, there was so many new veterans he was bringing in mm -hmm. after yeah. signing veterans all offseason. Right? <laughs> but I do think there has been minor improvements in that way with Gruden. I mean, obviously, he's trying to develop Peterman, but he did keep Ingold over Keith yeah. Smith, the that's classic Gruden move that I was anticipating. Uh, was to keep the veteran in that situation, try to sneak Ingold on the practice squad, but he went young. Uh, and kudos to uh, Ingold, man. I mean, yeah. Keith Smith got hurt. He got a ton of reps. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, over the summer, especially August, and he took full advantage. So I'll give Gruden credit there, but definitely, uh, you know, and, and then you look at the wide receiver corps again. I know we're touching up on it, but a lot of people was like, uh, maybe Doss or Aitman make the team. And no way, like, mm -hmm. Grant and Nelson make the team. But 
obviously, you know, he decided to go with the veterans in that situation. So Shocker. there's progress, but he's yeah. not all the way there with that. He's still going to fall back to his veterans yeah. when he's comfortable. Yeah. You, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, it was funny. I I, I saw the, the cut down list, and that was the first thing I thought of was, like, all this work we thought we had done with Gruden where we're starting to get in the buy-in of the development and getting away from the uh, – the, from the free agents and whatnot, and then in comes Leggett, J, Ryan Grant, JJ Nelson over Doss, and it's like, well, now we're back to square what, one. What, what name did you? What name did you? Leggett, <laughs> Leggett. I don't know. It, we'll get to that I, I part. Don't don't jump ahead. I don't know about a Leggett. I haven't heard about that guy. The Chris, stop guy. spoiling our future topic. Yeah, my bad, my bad. You're killing me, Chris. <laughs> killing me. We'll get to that. Whatever. The new D lineman. You guys know who I'm talking about. Everybody knows who the hell I'm talking about. What were you talking about? Ah, Never mind. Just go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I mean, you even look at like bringing in the new defensive lineman over a guy that's even not quite young, but a guy like Westbrooks who played pretty well in the preseason. And it's almost it almost felt like the preseason didn't matter outside of Keyson Nixon because. I think of the four guys that had the best preseason for the Raiders would be Doss cut, Westbrook's cut, Rush cut, practice squad, and then Keyson Nixon is the the lone man standing. And I guess you can blimp Ingold in there too. So two out of five. So basically I wasted my time watching the last two preseason games. <laughs> they they do have the ninth youngest team in that's the good. NFL that's right good. now though. And yeah, last year they good. were dead last. So yeah. I don't want to make it like no, that's true. they're still yeah. on that same track, yeah. right? You're right. I think we can all agree that there has been a lot of improvement. I yeah. do give a lot of credit to Mike Mayock in that. Yeah, uh, you for, know, sure. Area, for sure. For sure. You're right. The older You're side right. is on the offensive. Uh, most of the old people are on the offensive side of the ball, which yeah, of course it should be. You know, he doesn't want he doesn't want to wait. He wants the results yeah. now. He's impatient, exactly. which is, you know, it's it could be a good thing, bad thing in some cases, but in this case. It could be a little bit of a nip in the bud because a lot of these, especially the receivers, you know, J.J. Nelson, Ryan Grant on one-year deals, what, what are you going to do? Are you just going to keep shuffling out players for one-year deals? I mean, no. I mean, in terms of, like, fullback, I, I kind of preferred a- a- Alec Ingold over Keith Smith. Yeah. I mean, even if I didn't prefer him, I felt like that was expected. I mean, I know mm-hmm. Chris, me and you have talked. He's a rich Basakia guy. Maybe he might have some pull. And then, look, two of his two of his guys outside of Dwayne Harris are, are going bye-bye now. I mean, Ingold, like 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 I said to Matt in previous episodes, or last week's episode, he does what Keith Smith does, only he's a better receiver. So yeah. at least it's not predictable. You can roll him out with those nice little boots, like what we saw For from sure. Keith Smith on his touchdown. At least Ingold can do that, and then more. I mean, we already we already saw last year that Keith Smith could not do that in a game. At least, even though it was just one season, but at least just from that Broncos game where pretty much he dropped the win. Literally, he dropped the win yeah, in his hand. Did. Which was tough. I don't he think he was, was not good last no, year. No, Keith he Smith was not. was not a good football player for the Raiders last year. I mean, no. I understand he's a physical lead blocker, but I didn't even feel like he excelled at that for being such a high-priced fullback. And he, his play on special teams, I, I, I mean, you know, he definitely made some tackles here and there, but nothing, you know, that would reward him that contract. Nothing a rookie in my mind couldn't do. And yeah. then. Of course, the drop and then the Ingold thing. I guess it took a lot, but yeah. at least they made the right decision in the end. So absolutely. And then Wilbur, Wilbur was just yeah. whatever for me. I mean, yeah, God, they went younger. And Had to that's cut. another thing we got to talk about. How many uh-huh. linebackers are on the roster right now? There are four, and that's four. actually that's, that's actually got to change, right? I I don't think so. I don't think so either. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, um, it's another thing I've just been pounding on the table here in our podcast is that it's. It's now expected. I mean, last week, I, what we were saying, I feel like Paul Gunther's not showing his whole hand after even though he threw up a lot of blitzes against the Cardinals. I don't think he's been showing his whole hand, especially personnel and formations-wise. Four linebackers yeah. sounds like the right call because of so many safeties they kept. That's why some fans were, were shocked that Daniel Levitt, Levitt, whatever his last name is, that, yeah. while he was there. Oh, you need to wait, play wait, wait. Which guy? Shut up. It doesn't work with you. It doesn't work with me. It only works with you. Oh, okay. Anyways, <laughs> that's why they have so loaded safeties. They really are going to run four safeties for, I'm pretty sure, at least a third of the time. Honestly, that's how strong I feel. I don't think Joyner is going to be as strictly as a nickel corner as some are believing to be because it's not. It's just going to be too predictable at that point. So I'm kind of glad they do that because they, they at least acknowledge, hey, we outside of Nicholas Morrow, who actually can cover? 
No one. no one. To hear why ahead, Vontez Burke. We're not going to put Vontez Burke no. out there, and that's why Brandon Marsh got cut, which also, Chris, I'm with you. I'm a little surprised, but I it's, it's I guess it just didn't work out. They didn't feel like he was good enough because yeah. back in the day, like two, three years ago, he was very good at doing yeah. coverage, and he, he just could do it all. But I guess he just, at this point, it's just like he's just done. I like to give players the benefit of the doubt when they're coming off a very bad team. But it just didn't work out with him. Four linebackers feels like the right call to me. Throw out a bunch of those safeties, you know? Yeah. I, I know, Chris, you point out the four linebackers, and that was, you know, when you're looking at the depth chart, that was one of the first things I noticed. They're committing to the safeties, and, you know, I think Jose is right. I think you're going to see a lot of nickel from Paul Gunther this year, and I think you're, honestly, you think you're, you're going to see a lot of Jonathan Abram playing at that linebacker spot. Not mm-hmm. probably a whole lot on first or and Carl second Joseph. Down. Or Carl Joseph. I mean, he's yeah. got to be the closest yeah. one to a, a hybrid just because of his physicality. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I mean, like Jose was talking about, you know, they don't have a whole lot of linebackers that can cover. In fact, Nick Morrow's the only one that can do it. So putting him and or putting Abram at the linebacker spot should help them at least cover tight ends and help them in their nickel packages, which it's going to be huge. You know, 70% of snaps last year in the nfl and nickel personnel so they're setting it up for the future and i i was actually really happy to see them just kind of cut some of the dead weight in the linebackers so what do you what are you thinking like is going to be um obviously the traditional nickel they'd have the two backers but if they want to go one hybrid are you thinking they have joiner in the slot and then they put out joseph and harris out deep and then they got uh perfect and abram playing the backers with Abram being like the hybrid is that what you're thinking Jose in the whole kind of a different style nickel with only one linebacker out there yeah you hit the nail on the head although I wouldn't just say that's the exclusive personnel I mean of course obviously Abram and Carl Joseph are very similar players I'll I'll still give the nod that Abram at least from what we've seen well we haven't seen obviously live action from Abram but at least well even from Carl Joseph he's not like he ever gets chances up there but personally I think Abram's the better cover guy up top regardless that's the great thing both of them excel in the box either or can you can throw either or in there or even mess around and put him put one up there and stagger one a few yards up top and do different different chess moves man it's just I'm just envisioning so much is someone gonna blitz is someone gonna cover the tight end running back or what are you doing when people say oh the the play is won the war is won in the trenches you know between the linemen well the war is also won with the strategy Mm -hmm. confuse the hell out of people's assignments let them know like hey how am I gonna attack this because even though not all routes are just concrete, there a lot of offensive coordinators run the running backs on option routes, tight ends on option routes, same thing with receivers. They give them three options. Hey, you have a choice to sit, take it up top, or go across. At least now it's like, well, I don't know what to do. Who is he going to trail me? Is he going to sit? So it's just I, I'm having fun just thinking of it in my head. Imagine Gunther. I mean, same yeah. thing, Matt. We talked about how freaking we think the linebackers the worst group and. It makes sense to shed the fat. Yeah. It's like, well, let's be. It's it's like think about it. They're, they're looking themselves in the mirror. Let's be real with ourselves. Our linebacker <laughs> group sucks. So why are we gonna keep all this extra weight? We can just keep more safeties, you know, or just keep Nathan Peterman. <laughs> we want to keep Nathan <laughs> Peterman, you know. So well, it's it's just it's just a fun thing. I'm just thinking above and even joining the slot, joining up top. It's just whatever they can do. So much flexibility. If I were to predict, I think that they're gonna not only are they gonna add a fifth linebacker, I think, but when you look at it, I don't think Burfick's going to come off the field much. Um, and Whitehead played every snap last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how significant of a drop-off we're going to see. I'm not saying that there, we're not going to see some of what you're talking about. But um, ideally, yeah, that sounds really creative and innovative. And maybe that's what uh, Gunther wants to go to. But, you know, eventually or in, in certain situations. But... I think the backers are going to be more involved than maybe you're hoping. That's what I would say. You know, hopefully you're right though. That'd be cool. Yeah. But uh-huh. well, to Jose's point, you know, there are plenty of versatile players on the defense. That's one thing that they've been emphasizing a lot. And one thing I personally love about the defense. And I mean, you know, to answer your original question, Chris, of who, that nickel package, don't right. discredit uh, on third and long them going with Abram and Morrow. You know, go with the guys out there that cover the best. You know, I, I think with Perfect, I, I feel like at this point in his career, he's really more of like a two-down linebacker. I don't. I think if they're trotting him out in third and long, it's it's probably going to be bad news. 
you know, he kind of reminds me of Brandon Spikes a few years ago for the Patriots when he was kind of coming in, where he was effective and he was a good player, a thumper against the run. But I just feel like it's never really been perfect strong suit to be able to go out and cover. And now that he's older, had a few injuries, probably a little bit slower, it's probably going to be a little bit harder to to keep him on the field for all three downs. Right. And then the health part, too. I mean, yeah. I don't even mm-hmm. When's the last time he played 16 games? Has that happened since 2013? Am I yeah, wrong about that? So, Dude, you yeah. probably right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that is a factor as well. I mean, yeah. hopefully he lasts. But uh, I, I honestly, our conversation makes me, I can't wait for week one to be at the Collie to see what Gunther's doing defensively to try to slow down the, the Broncos. And obviously, week two against the Chiefs, we might see yeah. a little bit more of what you guys are talking about. Yeah, Chris, you you bring up uh, a good point. And next week, we got the home opener, or the season opener, I should say, Monday night against the Broncos. You know, obviously, playing a divisional team, those games are always going to be fun. But I'm curious, what are you guys looking forward to? What do you think matchup-wise? You know, what, what's the key to victory on Monday night? <laughs> what's the key to victory? <laughs> um, well, it's going to be the offense, Raiders offense, against the Broncos defense. Both of them are their bread and butter. And I love games like this. I hate when it's like, oh, the team's best assets are both their offense and both the defenses suck. And it's like, yeah. all right, now it's just like, a, who's first to 50 score or something like that, you know, <laughs> which is what we saw the Chiefs and Rams last year, even though that was a great game, especially fantasy-wise. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, guys, it's just, it's really how how is Gruden going to be able to adapt? Because, obviously, he could look at film of the of what the Bears did you know, the Broncos defense definitely is talented. I'm not sure why so many fans are relaxed thinking that this is a easy win for dating back so long. Like let's let us let us not let's not get carried away here. Vic Fangio is the best defensive coach in the league. And sure he's a head coach and is different and he might not have the same the same, you know, approach to games, but the way it's looking from preseason, the way everything's sounding you know, Benjamin Albright, one guy we all respect, it's sounding like this guy's just nails and hammers all on that defense. He brought in his slot corner from the Bears, Bryce Callahan, mm-hmm. who, was, who I thought, and even PFF agrees with me, that he's one of the best slot corners in the game. You bring on Kareem Jackson. I know he's on the lower end of his career, but he's definitely still a pretty stout corner. And then they have arguably the best corner in the game in Chris Harris Jr. The only point that's really like they don't have that's great is linebacker, but they could still make it work because Fangio somehow always turns out great linebackers in his scheme all the time. And we don't even need to talk about the defensive line. We know <laughs> how elite they are in those yeah. edges. So Colton Miller, I wonder how how is Gruden going to adjust? What is he going to try to figure out some type of protective schemes? And I'm not really like knowledgeable in terms of protected schemes, but how is he going to do it? It, can't, it has to be more than just having a running yeah. back back there and chip. It's that's pretty much the key. Offensive line is the number one key for the Raiders to win pass protection, which was the theme for every damn game last season. <laughs> but it's even more crucial against the Broncos. You know, it's the last Monday night football in Oakland at the Oakland Coliseum. Well, you got to make this right. It's going to be a very tough one. I personally, I don't think Antonio Brown is going to have a, as explosive as a game as we think because Vic Fangio is going to do everything in his power to take away AB. It's not Wrong. personally that he sucks. <laughs> Obviously not. I don't put Chris Harris on him. Who those two are going to be scrapping a lot, and Vic Fangio is just going to find a way to try to ball him up. AB is going to definitely have some moments. Definitely, he might even get 100 yards, but I think that more comes at the end of the game. It's a tough call, and I don't even trust the Raiders' defense that much. I don't trust the Broncos' offense. I think they're ugly as well. But <laughs> if I'm if I'm thinking if I'm picking right now, I think the Broncos are going to win this game, guys. Oh, I I completely disagree. I think the Raiders win Oh, um, I'll get to the Raider offense in a minute. I think just from the Raider defensive perspective, um, they're obviously not facing an offense that's strong. I mean, obviously Flacco has his big arm, though. If you give him time, he can throw it down the field. But, you know, I, the guy who concerns me the most is Philip Lindsay. Um, he's got okay. speed. I think that a key is going to be keeping him in check. And then, you know, if they can do that and put Flacco in those kind of third and long situations, uh, allow their pass rushers to tee off and make some sort of impact on the game, which we didn't have last year. Um, you know, I think the Raiders, I'm going to say they're going to give up 13 points to the Broncos. Oh, um, okay. They're going to have a, a really good opening game. It's not to say that the Raiders are going to have a top-notch defense all year, but 
Um, I think that uh, they're going to have an impressive showing, maybe even a couple of sacks on Monday night. As far as like offense is concerned, um, I think that it kind of benefits them in a way that they're facing uh, the the Broncos defense week one, in a sense, because you know Gruden's going to have some new wrinkles that the Broncos haven't seen, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, it, we kind of saw it last year. The first drive of the game was always really good, but now he's got some more weapons that should be able to have the Raiders offense sustain um, that throughout the game. Uh, so I do think it's going to be huge though for the Raiders to establish the run with Josh Jacobs, because you know, the, we know the Bronco pass rush and Fangio coming over, they're going to try to tee off and get to Derek Carr. And, uh, we know Carr's a pocket passer as much as we talked about him improving, moving through the pocket. I mean, it is who he is. He's a, he's a pocket passer. He's not going to evade three guys and, uh, you know, make a miracle play. Right. So I think establishing the run and then utilizing the play action, which they did not do much last year, mm-hmm. not that they had much of an opportunity, is going to be huge to get Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams involved. Because I doubt, I'm sure they'll throw some quick screens to AB to get him involved early in the game, but they're going to need to go down the field to kind of open the game up a little bit. And to do that, they're going to have to run the football well to use the play action. Again, you talk about Josh Jacobs. In, in my opinion, as crazy as it is, as a rookie, the most important piece on this offense because last year and in previous years, the Raiders haven't had running backs that were super explosive. So when there was a hole big enough for an explosive running back like Jacobs to take to the house, the Raider running backs would probably have like an 11 or 12 yard run because they just didn't have the speed to get away. But I really think Jacobs in, in those situations where the hole is big enough, he has that potential to take it to the house and, Hopefully there's a couple cracks Monday night that he can utilize to, to spring for some big gains to really open the game up for them. So I'm going to go Raiders 24, Broncos 13. Ooh. That's my prediction. Okay. See, I like this because I'm kind of in the middle ground between you guys. You know, I, I think, like Jose, it's going to be a closer game than a, a lot of people in Raider Nation are expecting going to be best on best Raiders offense is their best best asset right now obviously the Broncos with their defense I personally love Vic Fangio I think he's one of the best coaches in the league and you know obviously I think he's going to be ready and Jose to answer your question on offense of how they slow down that pass rush pass rush you know I think what the what they're going to have to do, especially early in the game, is get that D-line moving horizontally instead of vertically up the field. Stretch you know, get, it. Yeah, exactly. Work those bootlegs, especially early. Get those D-linemen tired. You know, if Colton Miller's struggling, maybe keeping Foster Moreau in on prote- protection on his side, utilizing the play action like Chris is talking about. But I think if they utilize these bootlegs and these RPOs that we've been seeing in the preseason, they can neutralize that attack and, you know, make the, make the Broncos at least have to sit back and get frustrated a little bit and not let them pin their ears back. Help out your offensive line by running some quick passes and some RPOs and being creative about it. You know, as far as A.B. versus Chris Harris, that's going to be the matchup of the night, really. You know, both of them have played against each other for quite a few times. And A.B.'s probably had the slight upper hand, but they've you can point to games from both of them where one got the best of the other and this next game is kind of the rubber match, so if, if you will. I think I think it's going to be a close one. I'm going to say, if I'm going to have to put a score on it, I'm going to go 24-21. You know, I do think the Broncos are going to be able to move the ball a little bit, you know, in the running game. You know, Chris brings up Philip Lindsay, who was their stud last year. Well, they got another one in Royce Freeman. You know, their offensive line is shaky, mm-hmm. but they have two pretty damn good backs that they can really rely on where – they can kind of play keep away from the from the Raiders a little bit and look for that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if the Broncos game plan is for Joe Flacco to throw the ball maybe 20 times, get a lead early and then just basically play keep away and sit on the ball. Yeah, um, that's yeah, I, I got what you're saying there. Uh, you know, I'll just say, too, is that obviously Antonio Brown's the highlighted piece for this yeah. offense. And I brought up Josh Jacobs earlier, but. The good thing is there's so much more to this offense than just those two guys, though. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Tyrell Williams is going to be a huge factor for the Raiders because he's a guy who can get vertical, but he's also really good on those crossing routes with mm-hmm. the yak. Hunter Renfro might be, uh, I would probably say he's already the Raiders' second best route runner. He, I think he's really nifty in the slot, and I think he's a guy that 
um, can be a security blanket. They can move the chains. And then talked about it all summer. Darren Waller is a guy that mm-hmm. can be another difference maker for this team. So I feel like the Raiders just have so many weapons where even if AB has, you know, five catches for 56 yards, which would not be a big game for AB, I still think the Raiders offense is good enough with all of their avenues of, you know, explosive plays with their other weapons to score 24, you know, mid 20s points, even against a good defense. Um, maybe I'm totally overvaluing. Uh, you know, and, and thinking, oh, this is all going to come together quicker. But I, I feel like the Raiders offense is going to click um, even against a good defense to start the year. So and I, maybe I'm having way too much faith in the Raiders <laughs> defense. No, I mean, thinking they're going to hold them to 13. I mean, yeah, it's not out mean, of the question for the Raiders to hold them to 13 points with how bad the Broncos offense looks on on paper. And I mean, <laughs> as far as putting up 24 points. If the Raiders put up 24 against the Broncos defense, that's a hell of a night offensively. We're not talking about some sort of slouch defense. This has been one of the best defenses in what feels like at least like last, what, five years? You know, they're continuously top five in just about every category. 24 points is, that's like putting 35 up on a more run-of-the-mill team. It's going to be night and day. I mean, like Matt said, they've been a good defense. I mean, last year they just sucked, like, overall, top to bottom. Part of a good, widely because of Vance Joseph. Now you're going to bring in, like I said, Vic Fangio. And I just saw an article just last week where so many profoundly, highly reputable offensive coaches gave their take on Vic Fangio as the best and hardest guy to go against. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Mike LaFleur, all of them. And let's not forget, the Raiders are going to be without both of their interior guards. That's 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 a little bit should be a very weak spot that I'm expecting Vic Fangio to key in on. Now, I think the key of the game that needs to win for offensively is not going to be A.B., because I still think Vic Fangio is going to do his job and slow him down. And He's not going to shut him out, but he's going to do a good job of putting speed bumps mm-hmm. all over the field. It's going to be what both you guys' points, fakes, get horizontal, and Josh Jacobs. That's yeah. the best way to do it. And I think also even going further than that, use your running backs. Act like captain mm-hmm. checkdown and take advantage of those linebacker mismatches because their linebackers, I think, are the weakest ones you can attack the same way the Raiders are. Josh Jacobs can run out there and do beautiful. Jalen Richard, heck, even DeAndre Washington. <laughs> you know, there's just so much you can do. J.J. Nelson, I wouldn't be shocked, gets a, will line up in the backfield. Because the one day I was at training camp, he was doing that. He's a ga- he's the gadget player of this offense. If he is going to go, of course, he is record- he is recovering from a sprained ankle. Hopefully, he's good to go. But yeah, Tyrell Williams, X-Factor, he should have the step on Kareem Jackson, who likely will be the player that gets him. You know, Hunter Renfro might get shut down because Bryce Callahan and Chris Harris play a lot of slot. So if those guys are on him, he's gonna, he's gonna, it's going to be a welcome to the league rookie type of moment. All the high the Denver defense, I mean, look at it the other way. The Raiders defense and the rushers, are they even gonna get more sacks? Not blitzing. It's gonna be I feel like it's gonna be a lot of no no back end support from the safeties because they're gonna have to just send it. You know, they're gonna have to send it down in there. And it's not like the offensive line, the Broncos is that strong, but it's not that bad either. It's just that once again, I don't think the Raiders and Ed rushers are that great. They're not even they're hardly good to me. I think they'll they'll be better. It's just uh, first game is going to be tough to tell, and I don't have faith in them. It's just strictly that, and it's going to be tough. I mean, like I said, it will be a close. It'll be a close game, close game, I think. But I'll still give the edge to the Broncos. Maybe get up there to like 24, 27 around there. Um, and speaking of that, Matt, you didn't even give us. You, you just said 21, 24. Who who's going to win? Don't you don't shirk away from this. Who's going to win? Be the tiebreaker. Oh, I thought I said Raiders. Maybe not. But yeah, ah, I, I think I thought you said Raiders too, but yeah. maybe I heard wrong. Uh, okay, that was the one that I'm, I'm the quack in the room. All right, it's fine. <laughs> but uh, honestly, guys, I'm just I'm just excited to see this game. Yeah. Finally, it's so long to see it put together. Yeah. Hopefully, they win. Of course, just because I'm picking them doesn't mean I don't want them to win. Let's not get things twisted here. Some some people will listen to this and be like, "Oh, you want them to lose?" Like, no, no, <laughs> always want them to win. But I'm not going to be naive and say, "Oh, they're going to put up 100 points and stuff like <laughs> that." But can't wait to see it. It's going to be a a tough game in the next week. That's not going to get any easier. It's going to get harder with the Kansas City Chiefs rolling into town. And they just added Shady. So it's just going to be a mismatch nightmare for them. But we'll save that for next week's episode. But speaking of the Chiefs, you know, they are a divisional team. One thing Jose and I have wanted to do for a while. And now Mm -hmm. with the season coming up, um, we felt it was appropriate. But let's start looking at 
what the rest of the division looks like. I'm, I'm curious, Chris, what are your thoughts on the Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos? I think the Chiefs are going to win the division, uh, you know, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying no, that. I think no. everyone would agree they have the best team in the division. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, uh, obviously, I think he's going to – I'm not going to say regress as a player. I think his numbers might regress a little bit, and he can well, still have yeah. them come down a little bit and then still yeah. win MVP easily with, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and Andy Reid, I can't say enough about him as a coach. I'm just so much respect for him. He's so creative. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of weapons to, to play with. So I think the Chiefs, um, you know, also their pass rush, you know, they got uh, Frank Clark now. You know, they got a new defensive coordinator, Spagnola, so they might uh, have some new looks. You know, maybe that'll be good for Derek Carr, though, because he was not good against the Chiefs <laughs> defensive coordinator um, most of the time, especially in Kansas City. But I'll say the Chiefs are, are going to win the division. I, I think they'll probably win 12, 13 games. I do. Here's the thing, though. I think the Chargers are going to regress. And obviously, you say 12 they won 12 games last year, but I think the Chargers are going to come down, and I think they're going to be in the above 500 range. But I think they're going to be a fringe playoff team this year. Um, and it's not just because of the Melvin Gordon's out situation. Um, I just felt like everything kind of went right for them last year, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't think that that's going to be the case this year. And I think that. The division's going to be a little better. The Broncos are going to be a little better. The Raiders are going to be a little better. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, they're obviously going to have the second-place schedule. So, you know, and then as far as the Broncos, maybe I'm having the – I don't think the Broncos are, are going to be terrible, but I think they're probably going to be a tough out in division games. But that's time maybe they win six games, you know, um, not, a, not a tremendous amount. But uh, I think the Raiders, man, I think the Raiders have the biggest swing of wins and losses uh, between – what they could do minimally and what they could maximize their season. And I feel like the Raiders can win anywhere between five and 11 games, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, because it's just there's so many unknowns with the Raiders. But, uh, yeah, I'd say Chiefs still top-notch. Chargers come down a little bit. Broncos lift up a little bit, maybe not record-wise, but in being a tough out. And I think the Raiders, I, I really have no idea. So. <laughs> I'm not going to touch on the Broncos because we just kind of tucked. I kind of pretty much just notched it up. I, I'm with Chris, perfect 100% that they'll be around six-win team. Maybe better, maybe worse, who knows. But I do know one thing, that defense is going to be yeah, just ridiculous, ridiculous. I think that offense is going to eventually just – it'll be a little bit better because Flacco, at least he'll be able to sling it. And let's not – I'm not going to – we didn't know any of these two receivers. Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton should have a high-rise year. Um, and then the Chiefs, Chiefs shouldn't even have any explanation. They should be better on defense, better pass rusher, better defense coordinator. Um, I'm, same thing with Mahomes' numbers should regress because the fact that he put those up was just astronomical in the first place. So a little coming down to earth, still you'll take them. The Chargers, though, I'm a, I hate always being so agreeable with Chris. But in this case, that's like the most agreeable. They're going to regress, once again, not, not because – of Melvin Gordon, or of course, maybe we'll be a little bit Melvin Gordon, but Derwin James is gone until pretty much December. But yeah, they're going to, I think they're going to regress. And then Keenan Allen already starting up with injuries this preseason where last year, I don't think he even, I think last year was his first actual pretty much healthy season. I don't, I don't know if he played the full games, but the fact that he was already showing signs in preseason, it's, uh, he might, it might come up again later in the season. Um, Mike Williams, probably going to take a big step up. Hunter Henry coming off ACL. How is he going to be day in and day out? That protection, Phillip Rivers, you never know with this guy because he, for a time, he was he was sporadic. You know, he just turned it on the last two months of the season. So that team, I think they're they're still going to be good, but I feel like they're going to take the huge leap back at everyone. It's not even going to be comparable to anyone who's going to take a leap forward in this division. It's interesting for me, you know, listening to you guys talk, you know, I maybe it's the contrarian in me, but I honestly think the Chargers will win this division. And, you know, mm. here's why, you know, what you're talking about with the Chiefs, like Mahomes is going to regress you when you throw for 50 touchdowns. There's a reason why no one else has ever done that back to back years. You know, I think he's going to come down back down to earth, which is like normal numbers. I mean, if he throws 35 touchdowns, that's still a damn good year, but it's a 15 touchdown drop off. And with that, when I go back and look at the Chiefs season, yeah, they won the one playoff game. But the four games they lost were to all playoff teams. And, you know, including the last game they lost to the Patriots, obviously, in the playoffs. You're talking about replacing Frank Clark or D Ford with Frank Clark. You know, well, D Ford for them last year was one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, especially if you look at his like PFF numbers. 
And, you know, I think Frank Clark's a decent replacement, but you also got rid of Justin Houston on defense. It's a defense that was already shaky. And like I was talking about, the offense, you know, carried that team last year, and it's probably going to regress just because of the unreal stats that they put up last year. And then with the Chargers, you know, the Derwin James injury definitely makes me more hesitant. I think he's going to be a key part of their defense. But they do have Nasir Adderley that can fill in at, at the safety position. Granted, Derwin James doesn't really have a position. But they get Bosa. Hopefully he can stay back healthy for a year. I really like Jerry Tillery, who they took in the draft as a guy that can get some interior pressure. And then the Melvin Gordon situation, you know, I saw a stat, and I think, I think it was from PFF's Austin Gale, where the Chargers are basically have like a, a difference of like one less point a game without Melvin Gordon and about an identical record, maybe even better without him. And Austin Eckler has actually proven to be more valuable for them than Melvin Gordon. Maybe not more valuable, but about the same level. And I think that's why you're seeing complications with Melvin Gordon's contract is the Chargers are looking at that and saying, well, we don't really need you. And I mean, I really like the Chargers. You know, I think they can be a team that ends up making the leap and ends up being a playoff and Super Bowl contender. You know, as far as this division as a whole, you know, I, I think it's on its way up and I think it's going to be one of the better divisions in the NFL next year. The Raiders and the Raiders and Broncos, you know, obviously we'll find out on Monday or we'll get a good indication of which team's going to be the better team on Monday. But, you know, I, I look at those two teams as teams that are probably going to be on the outside of the playoff picture, but they're not going to be easy wins for anybody. Like, you know, I think they're both going to be some pesky teams that can, you know, float around that 500 mark and, you know, end up ruining someone's season and uh, knocking some teams out of the playoffs late. But as far as that goes, you know, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say, um, you know, Chargers still number one winning the division or Chargers number one winning the division. And then I think the Chiefs will still end up making the playoffs. But as a wild card, mm. you know, 10 wins. Shock. Is, yeah. Is, you, make it, you make it sound like it's going to be close there with the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. one thing, too, that the big thing with the Chiefs last year, obviously, I know D Ford was really good. But mm. Frank Clark is really good, too. And as Raider Absolutely. fans, we know how good he is. But the big thing with the Chiefs was their secondary. But they did go out and they get, got the Honey Badger. And I think that is yeah. such a, a crucial thing for them because not only can he play deep, but he can come up and play in the, you know, in the nickel, play in the slot. He can be a, a hybrid linebacker because he's just got a, a crazy side to him. He just flies all over the field. Uh, I think that he is going to be a huge piece for Spagnola. Um, as far as the, the Chargers, I know you brought up Adderley. Adderley was a guy I really liked out of Delaware. But he is nothing like Derwin James no, as far absolutely. as hybrid linebacker, go up there in the run, the, the coverage. Adderley is a deep safety yeah. type right. guy, yeah. right? I do like Tillery, though. And, you know, we have Legit. You could say that they drafted Tillery and said bye to Legit, right? Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't pay Melvin Gordon either. No, no. To be completely mm-hmm. honest with you, I, I definitely think that the PFF stuff, um, you know, I think you're doing some work with PFF. I have a ton of respect yeah. for them. But I do think being the workhorse for a team uh you know the Eckler can come in and spot and play just as well maybe even be more efficient they're a little bit more predictable but they can game plan around Eckler I think they're gonna probably appreciate Melvin Gordon a little bit more um than they are right now and they're thinking oh we'll be fine with Eckler and Jackson I think they're gonna miss him a little bit his physicality uh and I just don't I'm sorry I just don't see the Chiefs uh really I think the maybe regression offensively will be made up for by having slightly better defense and I still think they're just probably going to be like I have them beating the Raiders in both games, and I have them yeah. like basically coming close to sweeping the division. And if Chris, and that's does why that. I talk about the Broncos being a tough out because I think the Broncos are okay. Yeah, but I think I mean I, I got the Raiders probably at least splitting with them, the Chargers at least splitting them, and then losing both to the Chiefs. So it's tough for the Broncos to make a playoff run in that case. No, yeah, without an explosive offense and playing in such a tough division like you alluded to. So quick, quick predictions. What's the record for the Raiders? I gotta go seven nine for them this year. Uh, no? What do you say? I was gonna say the same. About seven and nine. Ah, I know. Cop I'm out. gonna go. Cop you guys out. are gonna think I'm crazy. Twelve and four. I'm gonna say they're gonna go ten and six. Oof. And I know that sounds okay. a little nuts, but I think that 
it's going to tie together. And I'm definitely a Raider homer, so take that for what you will. <laughs> but uh, I think they're in the 9 to 10 win range, and I don't want to just say 9 or 10. I'm just going to go with 10. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say they're kind of maximize that window, that wide range that they have. And I'm going to say if they get in the playoffs, there's a wild card. Okay, I like it, Chris. I like it. I like it. The thing with the Raiders that scares me is, you know, I think we you kind of talked about it with this variance of they could be a 5-win team or they could be an 11-win team. You know, I think this offense is going to be dramatically better than it was last year, and I think it's going to be a step in the right direction. The defense just worries me too much to say to see them as a playoff team. You know, I definitely think next year we can definitely start to have those expectations kind of depends on how this year goes but going into this year I kind of have the same thoughts and feelings and expectations as I did in 2015 you know if this team gets to seven wins that's a double that's doubling your win production from a year before that's good that's a really good production and you know it's hard to understand as a fan but this is a multiple year process it's a multiple year rebuild you know it's not going to happen just overnight, you know, I, I still feel like, you know, they're, they're a few pieces away on defense. Offensively, like I said, I think they're in, in really good shape. You know, maybe some patchwork on the offensive line would help, but I think they're in a really good spot offensively. It's just, I just don't trust the amount of young players that they have on their defense. And that's what kind of makes me weary a little bit of, of starting to consider the Raiders in the, in the playoff picture. Well, I think the big thing here, though, the biggest key to the Raiders season, you know, I talk about the most important player to make it all click being Josh Jacobs and getting the, you know, not only running the football, but his receiving skills. But a big part of this is that I think if the Raiders give Derek Carr time, I think he can be the Derek Carr that we, he was before. I think if he has time in the pocket, he can be a dynamic, explosive quarterback and be a top 10 guy. And, Maybe that's, you know, some people don't think that he has that. Some people think it was a flash in the pan. It wasn't real. Um, but I think it was. And I think that if he can channel that, and not only just helping this offense score a lot of points, but being clutch at the end of games, uh, you know, making the the throws when the, with the game on the line that he knows how to make, if that factor comes into play, the Raiders absolutely can win 10 games. And, you know, because if your quarterback's on fire and rolling, I mean, we had a horrible – horrible defense in 2016 i know that they got turnovers and that helped granted but they were terrible okay if the raiders offense is rolling and Derek carr's feeling good they're running the football they're throwing the ball down the field even if their defense is bad and it couldn't be really any worse than last year they gave up like a record sending yards per play the raiders are going to be in every game if they can score yeah they, so um and if they're in every game and they have a quarterback who's statistically at his best when the game is close in the fourth quarter, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice and say that they're going to win a lot of those close games. And that's just maybe what I'm banking on. And maybe I'm way out of line in that. And I can be quack of the week at the end of the year <laughs> when they win four games. So. <laughs> all right. All right. Ready? You guys. All right. Just, just Jose talk about it. All right. And so if some of you that listened last week, if you didn't listen, then here's the thing. Matt, Matt Holder, our co my co struggles to say certain names. I just discovered this last week when he tried to say Benson Mayoa. So try saying that again, Matt, real quick. Benson Mayoa. Oh, okay. Oh, let's go. Somebody learned. He I would hope it, so after dude. fucking 18 times. Jesus. I, I got one for you, though, dude. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Matt, Chris, right. let me be the warm-up because yours, okay. yours is okay. abusive. Okay. All right. So I'm about to send it in, in the chat room, the Skype chat right now, Matt. So here is yours. And for some of you, you in the crowd, it's the Bengals tight end. Oh, CJ Uzma. Ah, okay. That wasn't as terrible oh, as I thought. It's Uzma. But Uzuma. sure, we'll ah. take that. It's fine. Ah, okay. Mine's... Mine's is not going to be as bad. Uh, Chris has his sense. So I I'm just I, DM, I DM'd you in our, our Twitter group chat. So All if right, you have your pull phone up, up, pull that up right now. Oh, Star Latulule. Dang, here's how it's pronounced officially. Man, you got it perfect, dude. Let's what go. Let's go. Dude, Matt, Let's go. Matt goes Eat it, Jose. Two right now. Let's go. All right. All I'm right. going to clearly thrashed Jose's plan. Jose <laughs> had this grand plan that you would butcher both the names. And, and dude, how the hell did he get yours right? Five minutes. Good dude, job, I know, dude. 
I remember Latulale. He was uh, the D tackle from um, Utah. Bro, the draft's my shit. Like, if it's like <laughs> if it's like players that were notable in the draft, I'll get it because I've heard it eight hundred times. But Benson Mayoya, out of dude, dude, just say these two things. Say May. May. Oa. May Oa. Benson Mayoa. There we go. But oh. yeah, Benson Mayoya, who was undrafted, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. whatever, it, it happens. All right, How so it's only that? Benson. Your tongue just has a, a real trouble with that. How to say it? So. Oh, this is awesome. It's, it's, fault, it's only it? Benson. Any listeners, please tell, tell Chris. Tell me, <laughs> not, tell me. His mouth is just not made to be able to say that word. It's, it's, it's just not. It's just bad. It's just bad. I appreciate Chris having my back. Yeah, I appreciate. It. Very, very... Jose just tries to pick on people. I'll be honest though. When and we introduced this, this official in the podcast, is that I beat Jose so bad. Shut the hell up! In You're Madden 19, that he won't even buy Madden 20. <laughs> I literally ended his Madden purchasing days with one beatdown. Like, think about how long Jose's played Madden since he was a little kid. Christmas morning, Madden was there on the tree. And then, and then, and then he grows up as an adult, and he gets butchered so bad that he stopped buying the game. I just feel bad that I have to take responsibility for that. What you hate to that? see it. Hate to see it. So Chris Weiss, I was getting sued on live podcast. Live. <laughs> Come on, son. What are you talking about? You want? You want? You didn't even give me. You want, all you did was beat me once. Freaking once. What is this? You didn't even. You installed Madden 19 because you were afraid of the rematch. Oh, so I that way you can say. So that way I'm surprised don't you don't start telling people, space. "Hey, I'm 100 percent win against this guy." Why would I keep the space for the old game, bro? Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. That's definitely why. Hmm. What I'm saying is pretty logical, and I think everyone listening would agree. So. Hey, don't worry. When it comes on sale, I'm waxing that ass from the whole floor. What do you mean I'm when it comes forward. on sale? It's been on sale for a month. I'm talking about not getting sold. I'm talking about on sale, like you know, a sale discount. Because I'm not, games not spending like sixty-five dollars for. A I respect that too. I okay. Did, okay. A little bit of a cheap aid here. It's because I'm already gonna. I'm gonna complain about the game when I'm playing the CPU in my season mode. So might as well just have it. So. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Well, next week I think we gotta have the fans, uh, the listeners, try to. Tell Chris, tell me, or you, like, hey, I got a suggestion for a word because obviously we're not doing it right. Apparently, yeah, I thought we had in. good ones. And Matt I'll be just honest. smacked us around. I'll be honest. When uh, when Jose sent me like the the topic idea, I kind of like went through some names that I thought you guys might pick, and was like, all right, I need to work on these. I like the full disclosure by Matt. Like, yeah. hey, I kind of was going to cheat. But you didn't even cheat I didn't cheat. I studied. I prepared no, myself for the test. You, if you found one of the ones, anyway. I, I didn't I like cheat, the, I like Chris. Honest, I studied. I studied. <laughs> I worked on it. Uh-huh. All right. But, all right, everybody. Big thank you to Chris for coming on. Chris, where can the people find you? You can follow me at Chris Wysong on Twitter. That's at K-R-I-S-W-Y-S-O-N-G. You can also follow me at Black Hole Banner. I'm the managing editor over there. So give us a yeah, follow there. Get up cool. on our stuff. Yeah. And Jose, where can they find you? Sanch underscore 21. Get at me, people. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at mholder95. Follow the pod if you're not already at SweetFly. Got the Gmail set up. If you have any topics you want us to discuss, just at flysweetpod at gmail.com. Wherever you listen, drop us a five-star review. Leave your favorite Raider moment or your favorite Raider of all time. We'll give you a shout-out on the show and read out your moment and or player. Until next time. Hey, loves it. <laughs>